Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. i just like to start off with an acknowledgement of country. We're broadcasting over the lands of the Kulin Nations in terms of the AM transmission, but also around the world via the internet. And 3CR is on the land of the Kulin Nations. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples on whose lands I am. Um, these lands are stolen, genocide and colonisation are ongoing, and I'd like to pay my respects to Indigenous elders past, present and future, and I'd like to acknowledge any Indigenous people tuning in today. Um, also related to that, I... I was in attendance of a small gathering about solidarity with the Japarong Trees campaign. That's an ongoing thing. If you have any spare money, you can donate to that because Vic Roads plans to destroy a number of um, culturally significant areas in Ararat and Western Victoria and Japarong country. And despite a media release on Friday, that's still really sticking with the same route with minor adjustments and people... The grassroots are still fighting in that campaign. And you can check out more on the Jabberong Heritage Embassy on Facebook in terms of that. So for today's show, I'll be having a chat first with China Elise about a number of creative production things, and including um, Floating Key to Codes of, Codes of Ethics, which is spread to Queef, um, and... After that, I'll be playing an interview with members of the Queer Asian, uh, Queer Asian Anonymous crew who are putting on a show for Midsummer, and that interview was done by um, team member Taz here at Premier. So stay tuned for that. You're tuned in to Premier and 3CR Community Radio. I'm now joined on the line by China Elise. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi. Excellent. China is a creative producer, writer, and event organizer. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, you've been involved in a lot of things. Can you talk about some of the productions you've been involved in here? Yeah, so about a year ago, I launched an initiative called Floating Key, Um that centers and prioritizes black elevation, prioritizes the indigenous people on the land for whichever, wherever our events would be, and focuses on talk solidarity and white allyship and what that really looks like. Um, and then I stage manage a few productions. Um, so I've worked with some people in Estrogenesis, Embittered Swish, who I think a couple of people might have been on this show yeah. previously when we were when we were doing that production. Um, but yeah, I'm also production stage managing a show for Midsummer called The Maids, which is this um, queer imagining of Jane Jeanette's play, and it's been really great and. 
yeah, juggling all of that and focusing on floating key and where we're going with that um, has been a full time job, but it's good. Mm. Um, let's go back a bit and talk a bit about a little bit more about floating key. I heard you won at uh, one of the awards at Midsummer. I, yeah, which award, award did you win? For floating key for fringe, we won best in ideas in words. So that was really exciting. We won that category for Fringe this past year. Awesome. Um, how did you find putting on the Floating Key event and how was it received? For a Fringe event, putting it on was, of course, emotionally taxing mm. when you're giving so much of yourself on a personal and creative level and talking about things like solidarity with black people, what it looks like to be a settler and mm. give support to the first people of the land. And these are all loaded sort of topics that um, really require that you're present and really um, honest with yourself. So the process itself was heavily involved emotionally, but the reception is what was so rewarding because mm. um, we were really curious how certain people would take things, us really calling out not only our pock and white allies and supporters, but calling out a lot of the people who have been the main sort of supporters of Floating Key, so calling out a lot of black settlers and really asking them to reflect on their behavior on this land, what it looks like to be displaced. And, um, yeah, I think it was very involved for a lot of people in the crowd, but everyone was really present and participated. And so, yeah, I was really happy with the reception of it. Yeah, awesome. It was such an amazing event and so much work everyone involved put into it um thank you yeah and also a part of that event was a code of ethics that came in that you came up with in that event and that's also now you've been involved with that code of ethics in terms of that's gone that into another event um called queef could you talk about that a bit yeah so before even launching floating key um it was important for me to sit down and really put pen to paper what the ethos of the initiative was. So we've had a code of ethics that we've used um, to kind of be the backing support of all of our events since then. So any of the ethics that you see from Floating Key now were created at the very beginning of that process, which has really informed how we relate to our audience in our community. And Fox Fluger, who was running Queef with Blake Lawrence, I believe, mm. um, they reached out to me just having a few questions about the ways in which we've gone about facilitating a space that really centers and prioritizes people who are most at risk within their intersections and most at risk when they're out in public and how we've really work to hold space and rectify some of the issues that we see when we go out a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I took that on board and 
had a meeting with them and discussed some of the ways that I've gone about drafting my own ethics, how I implement that, and the conversations that you have with staff before beginning an event. And they really took all of that on board. So I was really happy to draft that for them. And the feedback that I've gotten so far was that um, it was received really well. Yeah, that's yeah. It's really good that these um, conversations and these like questions are going places they're not. Yeah, and people are reaching out and trying to work through all these intersecting sort of um, problems with instances of systemic oppression and trying to work out how we can do things better. Um, it's really Absolutely. important. Absolutely, and I appreciate when white allies, especially, reach out and say. I want to do this work, but I need someone with the experience to kind of guide me and being honest about that Mm -hmm. and having those really honest, raw conversations is something that I really appreciate because that's the only way that we're going to see any sort of change in our public spaces, in our event spaces, is if people actually reach out to those with the experience, to those who are doing the work and are severely targeted to actually have their personal experience reflected in what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just for listeners who might not know that much about Queef, um, yeah, Blake, Fox, yeah, a number of people involved in that event and it had a lot of focus mm-hmm. on uh, like things that are often neglect and like left out in terms of um, making it accessible um, um, for people who, who need Auslan. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of important things. Uh, I believe they had a tactile tour as tactile well. Tour, yeah, they did. Which is so important. And that's something that I'll also bar- I'll take their lead on because I haven't personally done anything like that at my own event. But seeing that um, was really inspiring. So there's a lot to learn from everyone out there we just have to keep making as much effort as we can yeah for sure um so now about the maids that you're involved in could you tell listeners some more that's some more about where that that plays currently on and what it's about yes so as i was saying before it's um the maids which is a part of midsummer festival um, it's a queer it's a queer imagining of Jean Genet's play, and um, it plays a lot with gender and class and power dynamics. And it's playing at the Brunswick Mechanics Institute until February 9th. We're having a break in our season on this Monday and Tuesday. But we're having a show tonight, and we'll get back into it on next Wednesday. And, yeah, I'm very interested to see how my queer community um, responds to the work. There are lots of different ways that people can interpret the show. But um, It's been really great thus far, and I'm looking forward to seeing what other people think about it. And 
it'll be my last show in Melbourne for a while because I'll be moving overseas to kind of start a few other projects there. So after this, I'll be taking a much-needed break and kind of resting and getting ready for the next phase. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's definitely, like, quite provocative in terms of the, all the stuff going on in that play. I didn't... I hadn't read the text before, so some of it went over me, but there was all the, um, the plotting and, like, the the acting and the set and the costumes are really good. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is very provocative, and I like that. It's um, We often joke around on set that it's not a subtle show. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really great. And the process of working with this team has been really gratifying. It's nice when you're working with people who not only look out for one another in a creative and professional sense, but personal as well. Um, that's the ultimate for me. So it's a nice way to kind of go out in my last sort of production collaboration um, in this city. And I hope that people will come. I know that there are some friends who listen to Queering the Air who are going to be coming next week. Um, and yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Um, so yeah, in terms of the future, do you have any plans in terms of what you're going to be doing when you're moving to the States? Yeah, so I'll be moving myself and Floating Key um, back to the U.S. in mid-March. And I plan on relocating there and doing a lot of the work that I've done in the city here. But I think it's time to expand um, our networks and our outreach. And I think the best way to do that is to actually become nomadic, to be mobile, and to start traveling a bit more with these events. So that's what my focus is at this stage, is making sure that there are different um, facilities, different locations, and groups of people that we can collaborate with and network with to kind of bring some of the events that you've seen from us at Fringe and Afro Hub to places like Detroit, which is my hometown, and places like Chicago and different cities that I think would really benefit from having this sort of discourse. Um, and we'll be looking to move a lot of things online as well because I don't want my family here to miss out on anything mm. simply because we aren't. So we're working on establishing a few things online that'll keep everyone connected and informed. And that's going to be a new phase that I'm really excited about. And I'm trying to wrap my head around because it's been very like hands-on DIY, but we're going to be moving things to the web and traveling a lot more with this project. So, mm, Awesome. Maybe one last question, a, a bit of a yeah. bigger question. Um, what, how have you found the similarities and difference in terms of living here versus, yeah, the States? The similarities and differences. Mm. It's really difficult to pinpoint that because there are such different contexts 
And although there may be similar histories, especially between the different groups of blackness, it is so different to compare. Um, I think one of the biggest similarities would be that there is and has always been a black resistance and indigenous resistance. Um, That's maybe the largest similarity because there are so many differences, you know? Um, But I think the biggest one is that there are people who are always working to improve their situation and dismantle these white supremacist forces that are stifling us. That is the biggest thing that I can express for myself, and I think that's something that I'll take with me when I do go back home, is to remind my own black community that these things are happening and that our resistance doesn't look so much different. And I don't know if many people are as aware of that, Um, but I'd say that's the biggest Similarity and the biggest difference. There's so many. It's yeah. um, <laughs> it's um, Melbourne is worlds apart from Detroit. Mm. I'll tell you that, and I don't even know where I would begin to express those differences. But one is that it's never as cold here as it would be in Detroit. So I'm going back to yeah. really intense winters. Mm. Um, to a Trump administration, not that this government is much better, but, (laughs) um, you know, going back to some things that are in stark contrast to the climate in this city here, Um, but I'll hold with me a lot of the resistance and a lot of the discourse that's been generated here and take that back with me. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today on Querying the Air. Thank you for having me. No worries. It's been a pleasure to have you. Hope you have All a good right. day. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Next, I have an interview that Taz made, that Taz did with um, members of Queer Asian Anonymous, which is another midsummer show that's coming, that's about to be, um, about to happen, and and that show is, it's at um, it's at the Footscray Community Arts Centre. So check out the Midsummer website for more details and stay tuned for the interview. We're here with the Creation Theatre Project. Um, I'll let them introduce themselves. Uh, Aslan. Can you tell a little bit more about your role? And what's your role with um, the I Queer play, Asian Theatre Project? I'm one of the newcomers to the Gay Asian Peer Support Group. Yeah. Hello, my name is um, Yu Chen Wang. I'm playing one. I'm playing Jeremy, and it's one of the roles who has serious um, masculine issue. <laughs> hey there, I'm James. Um, I'm playing Casey, who is like a vapid, um, uh, white-loving Asian boy. (laughs) Hi, I'm Hayden, and my character is Go. He's an introvert, he's very geeky, he's into Star Trek, you know, aliens, 
and he's just trying to learn more. That's why he joined JPS. I'm Josh. I'm playing Indra. Indra's the coordinator of the group and the facilitator for the entire year. Year. Indra also has very strong opinions on how assimilation should happen and also believes that it's probably the only hope for Asians living in Australia. Wow, that is, sounds like a huge cast. Yeah. Put in a, like a lot of complicated characters yeah. and different missing, characters. Missing is, um, is Vijay, uh, Indian-Australian. Uh, kind of an idealistic guy in a way. Um, and also we were going to have like a, a guest um, in one of the sessions is Reese, the token white guy in the play. Okay. And um, I think from memory, I think I went to one of your shows in Melbourne Fridge, Fringe last year. Yeah. How is the the show in Midsummer like different to that? That was that was aired last last year. So that was a play reading, and we only I we only did until uh, two acts, so act one and act two, and uh, this time around we've half act three, so we finished the whole thing. So we're doing a full production for Midsummer. So it will be the Queer Asian Theatre Project's first production ever, yeah. I'm curious with, um, you know, the idea, like, what was the, I guess, maybe the inspiration or... Uh, well, personally, uh, for myself, it was, it was from attending uh, some gay Asian support group. And then it was other stuff as well, like... Uh, Experiences on gay gay dating apps like Grinder and Scruff, and then my conversations with those people, um, and conversations I had with my friends. Um, so, kind of like trying to take all the information experience of other queer Asians. So, I decided to to come up with this play. Um, another aspect to that is that um, I've done work on anti-racism and stuff and multicultural stuff. So last year, I just decided that I wanted to take a different avenue with 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 that kind of knowledge and try to do it in through the stage instead. Any stuff if you want. Yep. Questions like generally about being gay. Is anything? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna ask maybe the actors about um, their experience in the gay community and. You know, that could obviously range to... You know, about what, race? Like race this is just in general. Like, gender. I guess, maybe in terms of discrimination or barriers to accessing resources, etc. Yeah. Um, just, uh, just for the sake of my character, because my, char- my character is this um, Jeremy. He's, um, he's He has this idea of um, what a man should be like. Okay, so he's pretty toxic. He's pretty... Uh, he's under the influence of the toxic masculinity issue so he behaves a certain way and yeah basically okay I'm just gonna talk about that um well when I first came to Melbourne and when I was a little bit younger I suppose um I sort of shared a similar sort of um idea of what it should be a man because you know growing up in China and there's like this tradition of what um the roles that men should fit and the roles women should fit and there's a very clear picture of what that is. And just growing up, realizing that I'm, like, that I'm gay, I'm already out of that picture. <laughs> so, the, for the past decade, I suppose I've just been trying to um, sort of figure out what that picture is like for me. And so, came uh, uh, coming here in Australia and just seeing a lot of things and 
I'm hearing things and see how people react to me and to other people like me or to other people different from me, sort of, oh, I don't know where we're going with this, but because there's no, no resolution yet and there's no like end game yet. So I don't know. And I realized it's with the masculinity or femininity or whatever it is, just be a goal with life and and live every day and see what you do and see how you are and just be the sort of like the most comfortable with yourself doing things and the way you approach people, the way you approach yourself, the way you approach life, basically just be comfortable and be happy with the way you are. And everything else is pretty much labels. And if you see someone, it just respect that the way they are and accept that that's their choice and that's their life, basically, yeah. Thank you. Well, to be quite honest, I don't think I've really been in this kind of, you know, grinder world or um, dating app stuff. So I, 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 in the last four, and five, four, four to five years since I've um, been kind of in a long-term relationship. So, um, but I guess in reflecting and looking back in the days, there, there were definitely those really superficial exchanges which which I really have learnt to dislike um, uh, I suppose you know the, the the one end is like no Asians and uh, it's it's like confusing it's uncomfortable it's 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 quite disheartening um, and demotivating or whatever it is it's just a, a negative um, to be just judged like are you you know dateable are you any questions are you dateable are you sexy are you you know you question a lot of things when it's like what did i do wrong i'm just i'm just the color of my skin like um and all these stereotypes that uh attributed to it uh, and assumed uh but then there's the other spectrum which is uh the fetish sized uh fetish sized is that how to say it <laughs> um you know kind of thing where you know you get uh, a, uh, predominantly, you know, white men, older white men, I suppose, that, you know, look at you up and down. I'm sure, you know, that happens in anyone's life, in a woman's life, I'm sure, like, you know, uh, getting that kind of a look. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's degrading, but it's definitely unco- uh, uncomfortable. And you just, you just, like, am I just an object, you know, like, objectified in a way? Um, again, the assumptions of you being... Um, submissive and 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 effeminate and 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 you know i don't know quiet and good you know like like particular particular traits again you know attributed to you and that's why uh these uh i guess white guys like you so it's like i mean i'm 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 a 3d person i'm not you know two-dimensional so um i don't i don't say that's every every white guy that doesn't want to date an Asian or uh, wants to date an Asian ha- have those things or one or the other I'm sure there's people in between but um, I guess when it comes to being behind the screen behind a phone um, and you just text away those things just get lost and it's so easy to be that you know that kind of person um, so yeah uh, I, I guess that's that's my experience yeah thank you um, for me in particular, I don't really have that much experience in the gay community. Because um, I, I think I'm... And I also haven't experienced much, I guess, 
racism or homophobia and maybe I have or maybe I've not noticed it but or maybe because I'm a bit younger and I'm a bit I'm part of kind of a new different kind of changing a generation so I'm part of a more accepting in a way I guess but I think for people nowadays I think everyone uh, older or young it's important to keep learning as a person because I think the more you learn and the more you understand something the less resentful or fearful you are of it and I think people need to start understanding that change or differences doesn't mean it's a bad thing changes and people should embrace change rather than like reject it I guess because um I mean yes of course change can be scary just like if you like a, a job or something if you get a new job it's scary but it's about kind of overcoming it because you don't you don't see the benefits of it until you accept it um and yeah I think I think that's what my character is trying to be as well um go he's he's introvert he's just he's kind of having a clash of culture from like Malaysia versus Australia like it's pretty different like um in a yeah it's pretty different I think he's just trying to understand as much as he can and learn as much as he uh, he can um yeah, but I'm not going to lie, I do notice it. Like, um, even with acting and stuff, I do notice, like, the whole kind of racial hierarchy, I guess. I do, I'm not going to say it, like, I don't notice it. Um, but I think it's just about kind of pushing forward because I know I can't change anything. I can't change the fact that I'm Asian. I never, I never will be able to. And that's fine. And, yeah. So, yeah. All right, thank you. I have to ask again then. What's the question? I think it was just a general. Um, and being Asian and gay. Yeah, but also just like your personal experiences oh, as well. It's Filipino, by the way. Oh, really? Well, I'm Filipino too. Oh, Mixed yeah. Filipino. Same. Really? What's the other half like? Spanish. Oh, well, that's the glamorous Filipino. Okay, I'm Sri Lankan Filipino. Oh, yeah, although my mom's side is... I don't think that's like, unglamorous at all. Yeah, although my mom's Mestiza. So, oh, so there is some there is Spanish some heritage. It doesn't come through, though, but yeah. I don't think it comes through <laughs> me either. Um, on being gay and Asian and dating online, I think... I think <laughs> being forced into an idea of what you should be, especially thinking, oh, you're Asian when they realize I am Filipino, but they, when they speak to me, my values aren't really what they align as what Asians are. They, it's almost they're interested in that and not on who I am as a person. And it also is rather annoying because those things don't, don't really lead to anything. There is no future in that. There's just um, bored messages that go around. You chat with someone like that, because you're bored. There's nothing else really that Grinder has to offer for me. Perhaps that's one of the reasons I'm no longer on it. Although I should say, now that because I'm in a relationship, I am not on Grinder. That's the more important reason I'm not on Grinder, by the way. Um, I find that what's more important than the dating scene here itself is that the idea of who you are and your identity is not something you develop 
just from within. It's almost as if everybody is throwing labels at you and telling you what you should be. I find that it's annoying when you know that you are not something that they want you to be. Um, for instance, for a while there, I thought I should be the most flamboyant person. And I was getting frustrated with myself because I couldn't relate to a lot of things that they expected me to know about. I, I, I still feel that here and nowadays, and maybe because I'm older, I, a bit older than I used to be, I you know I am more okay with it. Plus, as mentioned earlier, there's also meeting the younger generation who have such a different set of values. They seem to not care as much, I suppose. That's the word I want to use. They don't care as much if somebody's gay or lesbian or anything else. Yeah, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Um, it's almost as if, you know, all my struggles were for nothing because now people are more accepting. Well, that's what the struggle is, though. We yeah. want it to be more accepting. Exactly. So I, I, it's not that I resent it. I just feel like... I wish I was there more to realize the turning point, although I don't think we have quite reached that yet. No. Um, I guess another aspect is that um, for people who are new to the country or like, you know, uh, recent arrivals and stuff, like you also have people who've actually never had the opportunity to be out or to explore their sexuality because they come from like conservative countries. So some of them, like, their first instance of experiencing the gay scene or whatever it could be through grinder, you know, or it could be through clubs or whatever, and that's the first time. And and if you actually don't have actually like have an idea of how you're supposed to be like, other than what you see on TV, it can be pretty, uh, you know, like disheartening or even demoralizing because you're trying to form your identity and also trying to find your sense of belonging or your community and it's not really happening because um, there's a lot of things that's happening so you internalize all that stuff so it's not just the negative not just the stereotypes but also um, the lack of support you know or this, like I said you can't find a place where you feel like you belong um, with, for, for me my experience was that also because of the negative reaction or treatment or the stereotypes like what, what Joshua was saying is that you end up trying to be somebody that you're not like I was still learning about sex and all that kind of stuff and I thought because we're Asian we're automatically the bottom and I thought that that's something that I have to be it turns out that I'm not so but it's really interesting of how you internalize that because that's how people see you and you end up feeling that you have to be that way but it wasn't so there's a lot of damaging you know, um, perceptions that people force upon you. So that's something that people don't seem to, to be aware of. Um, and then going back to what Joshua was saying as well, I mean, the younger generation, um, I think some of the issues is that people take it for granted and kind of like assume that you actually have gone through like a difficult time that people seem because they don't experience it themselves. They kind of dismiss the struggles that you've gone through. So that's something like lacking in empathy as well. And what do you hope for the Queer Asian Theatre project to achieve? Well, I've said it before, like this could be um, a journey of, of, of all queer Asians um, experiencing like, their, their, their life in, in Melbourne or Australia, overseas, 
like it could be a way to tackle like issues of the Asian queer Asian diaspora, I guess. And for this one is more basically obviously this first bite is a lot of my own experience and um, and the people around me. Um, but the second journey could actually be inclusive of other people that I've met through the, you know we've met through through the years. Um, and that's what this story is about. And then there's a there's a lot of conflict within the show, like within the story. But it tried to end in a very hopeful and hopefully moving towards a more open and welcoming space. And and hopefully that would open up new stories to be told as well. And um, what has been the reception or the reaction to um, your reading last year? What you're hoping for for this one? Uh, so James and I were part of. I'm oh, sorry. James and I were part of the um, reading, and I think, for particularly for the first show, and there were quite a number of was it two shows? Yeah. And the first night, I think there were uh, a lot more people who stayed behind, and they were curious, and they have a lot of um, sort of experience or opinions with the subject matter as well. So, and they seem quite eager to talk about it and they're happy that someone is putting it on stage and talk about it openly as well like sort of we're sort of providing a forum for everyone who's gone through the same things and they want to share their grief or they want to share their stories or they want to enlighten whatever they want to do and I think that's pretty great and that's why I'm hopeful for this project as well awesome Um, James did you have anything to add? Uh, I suppose that's also why I uh, was interested in being part of this project, um, was to he- read, basically read and, and speak out these stories that you don't really get to see in theatre, especially in Australia, especially in Melbourne, um, anywhere actually, but um, particularly home here in Melbourne. So uh, that's why I kind of want to be part of it. And um, I guess upon reflection again, uh, and uh, going back to the the... The, the festival, uh, Fringe Festival. I suppose that um, just just like some of I feel I feel what some of the people in the respond uh, said. Um, I guess I'd like to see as well, like more more of the um, I guess the the wide diverse community stories to be like slowly uh, eventually um, be brought into this 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 group, I suppose. Um, so uh, I'd like to see that in the future um, and in, uh, to have more inclusive, inclusive uh, inclusivity. Um, I'm sorry, I can't get my words today. But anyway, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I'd like to see it grow. I'd like to see it evolve and include uh, more stories about uh, people that we don't get, generally get to see or hear from um, in, in theatre in Melbourne. So it'd be great. So awesome. I can't wait to, you know, bring bring this to life yeah <laughs> thank you um i unfortunately was not at the play reading i became a part of the project after through uh the a mutual friend who um told me about it and then i became a part of this but i think it's an important story to tell because well a lot of stories because there's a lot of characters because the the more you if you talk about something you kind of normalize it and if you normalize it then people People aren't like you know running away from it. Yeah, they aren't running away from it. They aren't avoiding it. They, you know, we can talk about it more openly. Hopefully, in the future, once because it all starts with one person talking about it or a few people talking about it, and for it to be 
I guess, talked about more and just be normalised so people aren't confused and aren't um, afraid, I guess. And, yeah, I think it's... And it's also theatre, and I love theatre. Because <laughs> it's just big and you got to be... You get to use the whole stage, you know, it's not... It's different from camera acting where you kind of have to stay on one spot and you can't move your eyebrows. You have to mm-hmm. can't move your face <laughs> or else you go out of frame. And, yeah, so it's just... It's kind of liberating as well for just to be being in, in theatre. Yeah. <laughs> I was part of the play reading, um, day two of the play reading. I had not seen the script until that day. I thought to myself as reading it, as I was reading it, how important it is because it's, and I think for anybody who is Asian and gay, they've identi- they'll identify with every single one of these characters. I thought that these are stories that have to be heard. And I did say it to the group before once in our little chat group. And I said that everyone here is here because they actually believe in getting this story told. That's, that's I think, what has put me here. Well, I know that's what put me here as well. Awesome. And um, maybe just to close off the um, yeah. our so interview, like maybe could you maybe just share with us like when your shows... Um, so we're starting on, we're, we're running for six days at the Foot Square Community Arts Centre, um, at the Basement Theatre. So on February 4th until the 9th, uh, the show starts at 7.30. Um, seven, 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 I think. 7.30. All right, so it's 7.30 for six days, February 4th until the 9th. 4th till the 9th. Okay. At the Foot Square Community Arts Centre. Um, want to mention the tickets? Yep, and what are ticket prices? Don't have that offhand. Take Yeah. All right. So thank you so much to the collective for speaking to um, speaking to me, and I think also to querying the air. And I wish you all the best for the show. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having thank us. You. Thank, you. Thank, you. thank you. And that was the team at the Queer Asian Anonymous Theatre Project. That's on at the Midsummer Festival. It opens. February 4th, that's tomorrow night at 7.30pm, so check out the Midsummer website for that. And it ends on the 9th of February. Um, So we've reached the end of our show today. I'm Iris, and I hope you've had a good time tuning in today. Um, One last thing I thought I'd mention, a Tanya Day petition, which is calling for justice for the state murder of Tanya Day, an Aboriginal woman who died in police custody on public drunkenness after being arrested for public drunkenness. So it's a horrific state murder, and this stuff is endemic to the white settler colonial state, and we need to change this law. There's a petition going around, which we've shared on the Facebook site, and people are collecting um, petitions, in-person petitions, which are really important. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.